2: Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath in the red wave. It's high noon for Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find my accounts on Gab and Parler at I'm your moderator and check out the merchandise at www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 84th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president. Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where they can make an absolute clown of him on the world stage by basically punking him for sending Tony Blinken to Taiwan. And of course, Joe's about to recoil. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons in world history, Hunter Biden So congratulations communists you've made america as soulless as you are again but that said a warm friendly welcome to the redeemable communists i'm so glad you're here and i know it's important to be really really nice to you because you're a millennial etc cetera, etc cetera. now i can't promise that you're going to like your stay here. But I can promise that if you do stick around for a few weeks, you'll become an American again. And then you don't have to constantly hang your head in shame for the rest of your life. And that will prove to be a bonus. In the meantime, you're going to be subjected to some mocking and ridicule, but it's only because you have really, really terrible, amoral, awful beliefs that are, Detached from reality and show a total lack of understanding of history. So, I mean, it's not personal. It's just that your head is overflowing with evil. And I'm here to exercise your demons. Now, I don't think that I need to do much setup for what's going on with Project Veritas right now. Hopefully everyone has seen these videos. Uh, James O'Keefe released two short ones yesterday and a long one today. He was on Hannity last night discussing it. And I believe he'll be back on tonight. But what James O'Keefe is doing right now is going to destroy CNN. And I hope that CNN is sued so severely that they have to give up everything, all the money, the whole network, the whole thing, and it can just become James O'Keefe's network and maybe Matt Gates can have a chunk and someone should scrape off some for Donald Trump, but here we go with the
3: audio. Sad news doesn't do well with ratings. You know, like, if you can get someone impassioned, that does really well with ratings. Sad news, back to back to back, doesn't do really well unless it affects them directly. COVID, gangbusters are ratings, right? Which is why we constantly have a death toll on the side, which I have a major problem with that we're tallying how many people die every day. Because I've even looked at it be like look at it and be like let's make it higher like why isn't it high enough you know today like it would make our point better if it was higher and i'm like what am i rallying for that's a problem that we're doing you know
2: well now that's just delicious i would swear to never eat ice cream again if i could have this every single day it would just be my full diet. I could live on this alone. Like I remember Christian Bale being interviewed for about his work in that movie, The Machinist, where he like went down to an almost deathly level of emaciation. And he talked about how he tried to play psychological games with himself. Like he would convince himself that reading a book was actually eating. Like that that was like feeding him and that's all he needed and watch the movie. I mean, it's gross. And he's done that a few times actually. He did it for Rescue Dawn. Not quite as skinny, but real skinny. Anyway, that's totally off track. The point is, I feel like watching these Veritas videos of CNN imploding could actually nourish me enough to survive. Like if my plane was to crash in the Andes and I had Project Veritas videos of CNN imploding, then the other passengers and I would never have to eat each other. We would just get rescued eventually, surviving only on Veritas videos. I mean, this is Incredible. It's incredible. It's kind of a little bit uncomfortable to watch because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh my goodness, this guy is absolutely screwed. But then you remember, oh yeah, he's real evil. So (laughs) this is delicious again. But he admitted what we all know and what I've talked about on this podcast forever. Not saying I'm the only one who observed it, but the COVID death count on the screen and more importantly, the COVID case count on the screen were both being used to manipulate the audience, but those numbers were also being manipulated. I mean, the case count in particular is already a manipulation on its own, right? The PCR tests were set at 40. They're supposed to be like 17 to 20 for the cycle threshold. So at 40, they're just basically picking up anything. And that's why they had them set so high, so that they could explode the case counts. And then they count everything as COVID when you die. So that allows them to explode the death counts. And we know that's true because we can see other countries. Now, revising those death counts lower. And this is another thing that I've been saying for a year. When this is all said and done, we're going to find out a very small percentage of these people actually died from COVID and the death counts will be revised down. A lot of people thought I was absolutely crazy because they're not very bright and they only listen to the mainstream media where they were convinced that we would have these excess death tolls over a normal year's death, and that we would find out down the line that those extra deaths were all actually COVID deaths, which makes zero sense. It's the kind of thing that is so ridiculous that you don't even know how someone can put the thought together in their head. But then again, they're just repeating the things they're told. And then we have this from Just the News. uh, Yesterday, uh, Nicholas Balassi, That's quite a name. Funeral aid program allows death certificates to be altered for those who may have died of COVID. And under the headline, they have a little quote from very smart person, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said, if your loved one's death certificate doesn't have COVID listed, you can have it put in. Isn't that interesting? So we get to make all new death certificates. And all you have to do to get more COVID deaths from the past is find people who are willing to accept your funeral aid. <laughs> is not that incredible? A new way for the numbers to keep going up. From what I can tell, this program actually is as ridiculous as I'm describing it. You can check out the article on Just the News, but this is a tangent. I don't mean to spend a lot of time on it. The end of this article, though, has another amazing quote from AOC. She says this is one of the first programs that will allow mixed status and undocumented families to get some semblance of relief after feeding this country, after cleaning our schools, after serving and holding up this community. This community got nothing in relief, very little. I'm so proud of the tireless work and pushing that it took to make sure that up to nine thousand dollars of relief will now be available to almost every family in this country. Well, how's that? This money is supposed to be for people to pay funeral costs after losing loved ones to COVID. It's not supposed to be a relief plan for undocumented immigrants who get COVID added to a death certificate. What in the world are these people doing? And I guess the true answer is they're getting as much money as possible because this is their last bite at the apple. But back to Charlie Chester. This guy is bragging about how CNN inflates the covid numbers and wants to see them constantly go higher because they know it's better for ratings. And there's actually something more pernicious underneath that that he said. And that's that higher numbers help them make their point better, right? If they weren't able to portray COVID as this once-in-a-century pandemic, this very deadly pandemic that, by the way, isn't nearly as deadly as the flu that was taking place during Woodstock, for real. But these people viewed a more deadly virus as a tool, an asset that would help them make their political point. And of course, we already know what that is. Destroy Donald Trump. Make sure he gets, quote unquote, voted out. And propagandize the American public. He calls it propaganda. His words, not mine, but also mine.
3: More audio. Like this special red phone ring and they pick it up and it's like the head of the network being like, there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick. Put the numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we have. So put it back up. So like things like that are constantly talked about. Got that?
2: He's basically saying that the head of the network, Jeff Zucker, is calling... Throughout the day, anytime he feels like CNN isn't keeping his attention well enough or isn't convincing the communists that they're right, they're not propagandizing people hard enough, he calls up and tells them to get the numbers back on there. Is there any question about what they were t- attempting to do throughout this whole time? Were they attempting to? inform the american public about a very deadly pandemic obviously not they were trying to prove a political point and they were trying to destroy donald trump and you might think well yeah but this is just what political parties do this is what media organizations do everybody's got their biases no 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 there is a much deeper evil happening here okay Consider what our COVID response caused. Worldwide poverty, 200 million people, at least that was the last time I saw a number and that was months ago. It's probably far worse than that now, but they were talking about 200 million people being pushed into extreme poverty as a result of the lockdowns and the limits on economic activity and how much that affected the world. Millions of people unemployed, countless small businesses closed forever. Children missing out on a year plus of school and for, especially for the young ones, that's a key aspect of their development. Skyrocketing rates of suicide, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, domestic abuse, and do we have to pretend that they didn't handle the Black Lives Matter situations any differently? By the way, if James O'Keefe has video of this guy talking about all the lies they told about the George Floyd Black Lives Matter stuff, who boy, I really will just stop eating. I'll go on a joyful hunger strike, just never to return. I will only eat. Project Veritas videos with my mind forever. I'll probably never die, actually. But consider what they've caused by misleading the public about everything, anytime they want. When Donald Trump says that the fake news is the enemy of the people, he is exactly right. And this is exactly what he means. The media did this to us. The tech companies did this to us. All of those old guard institutions intentionally did this to us, to the American people, to the world. Okay. None of this was an accident. People weren't doing their best and occasionally making mistakes. No, this is what they did for power. And they don't care at all. This guy's sitting there bragging about it on a Tinder date for real. This girl met him off Tinder and took, I guess, Project Veritas body cameras in there and recorded him doing this. She's certainly not just filming him with her phone, I don't think. This dude is bragging to a girl he met on Tinder about the great job He did propagandizing the American public with no regard to the downside. Do you think that they didn't lie about the stats about school closures and the dangers of reopening? Of course they did. There was never any danger in reopening. They could have put the data up from anywhere in the world that shows that there is no risk of spread. In schools, not between the kids, not between the kids and the teachers. And there's not even anything recorded of teacher to teacher. But they didn't do that. They don't care about the science. They don't care about the data. They care about the ratings. And they care about their own personal motivations. This is an actual crime against humanity. I don't understand how else we can think of this. They caused the problem on purpose. And he's there admitting to it. More audio. I mean, there's
3: no such thing as um, unbiased news.
2: There's no such thing as unbiased news, he says. Well, again, that's a lie. He's just talking about the mainstream environment right now. But if you watch the full clip, he actually goes on to talk about if you want something unbiased, you have to go to people doing podcasts out of their houses. He says basements. Mine's not out of my basement. But I was thinking last night watching James O'Keefe on Hannity. And don't worry, I don't watch Sean Hannity every day. I rarely watch him. I found it on YouTube. Because I wanted to see James O'Keefe. Got it? But anyway, Hannity was talking about like, hey, I don't lie about my bias. I'm a conservative. I put that out front. And it's like, yes, he's right. CNN imagines they're the most trusted name in news. And they pretend that Don Lemon is a straight shooter. And I started thinking about my own biases. And I certainly have them, as everyone does. But. It's hard to call me a conservative. I never was until the last few years. I mean, I guess that I am now, but it's not conservatism for conservatism's sake. I just want people to be able to do what they want and not have powerful institutions destroying the country. And if conservatism is the path to that, I'm all for it, but it's not like I'm going to shill for conservative values quote unquote, whatever that means. I just tell it like I see it. And I am obviously no holds barred with the way I speak, and that's fine. And some people don't like that. It is what it is. But pushing a conservative agenda appears nowhere in my list of priorities. All of the things that I say and think and believe, I try my best to come to those after gathering information and then just Applying common sense and basic morality. And it's not that hard to say what happened if you know what happened. The bias in news comes when they know what has happened and then they're lying about it. To prove a point, all you have to do is be an honest person and report the news. That's how you get rid of bias. It's so simple.
3: More audio. Any reporter on CNN, what they're actually doing is they're telling the person what to say. It's always like leading them in a direction before they even open their mouth. And the only people that we will have on the air, for the most part, are people that have a proven track record
2: of taking the baby. Again. It's totally worth it to watch the entire thing so you get the full context of this. But this edited clip, this cut down clip is not out of context. This is really what he's saying. He's saying that he believes the job of his anchors is to tell people what they should say to other people. Got it? He ha- They hammer those points over and over and over and over and over. And that's what I call repeating the slogans. The news tells people the slogans, the slogans approved by the Democrat Communist Party of America, by the party of false decorum, by their corporate sponsors, by Big Pharma, by the Chinese Communist Party, naturally. They are told the slogans. They say the slogans. They say the slogans over and over and over and over while providing no information, no context, nothing. They just repeat the slogans and then paint anyone who disagrees with the slogans as stupid or a liar. People believe that they are fully informed based on the amount of CNN they take in, right? If they watch the news all day long, they've, see six or seven stories, they've been given the slogans on what to say about all those stories, and they repeat all those slogans, imagining the entire time that because of the amount of time they've spent taking in the central narrative, that means that they now have all the information and that they're prepared to go out and do battle in the information war. But again, these people do not know anything, and this is why they don't know anything. It is great that someone from CNN has finally been caught admitting this using no uncertain terms. He's actually proud of what he's done. He talks sometimes like he has a a moral core, like he realizes that what they're doing is wrong. But he thinks that he's in this battle for the soul of America and that the only way things work out correctly is if the entire country agrees with him. And you might say, well, you talk about politics. You want people to agree with you. And the answer to that is, yes, Okay, you're right. Except I think the way to convince people is by showing them information and making the best arguments I can about why I'm right. I don't try to propagandize them. I certainly never lie. I may be wrong. I can tell you when I'm speculating. But I can also say without any hesitation that I do not say things on this podcast that I don't believe 100% and will not go to bat for. I would talk to anyone about anything I have said on this podcast and defend it and tell them where I formed that thought and how and whether or not I still believe the thing I might have said a year ago. I'm sure there are things that I wouldn't agree with anymore. But I don't lie. They are telling you specifically that they are lying, right? Now, that is a manipulation. What I'm doing is saying, here's what I think. I hope that you agree with me. And if you don't, well, hey, that's your right. I can't force you. What they're saying is we have an opinion, but the reality of the world doesn't support our point of view. So what we're going to do is attempt to manipulate everyone else's reality until the reality we want and the reality they believe both align. And they think that once that happens, that reality will reflect in the real world. Well, we can see now that that's not true at all, but it doesn't stop them from telling the stories. And this has been like an overarching theme for me over the last few months. Their narrative gets narrower and narrower and the number of people who believe it gets smaller and smaller. Our narrative grows and of course it grows. Time passes. If you keep telling the truth, you're going to have more information and more things to say about a given issue. They're trying to focus everyone on the lies that they already convinced them of a while ago, and they're trying to keep building on that narrative. And there's that cliche about liars. The problem is that they have to remember all of the different lies they told so that they don't expose themselves. If you're telling the truth, you actually don't have to remember how you handled any of that stuff because you're never relying on someone still believing the nonsense you told them a few months ago. And this is the problem for them. Once you have lied so much about all of these different subjects, When new information comes out, you have to try to reshape that information to align with all the lies you told. And this is kind of where I was going with that New York Times article yesterday. They are trying to preset a narrative by repeating the former lies and trying to incorporate some of the new context, but they're trying to reinforce all those lies like that. There is some doubt about whether or not the Steele dossier is fake and they don't know who paid for it and they don't know whether or not there was rampant abuse in the FBI. And of course they do know all those things, but the lie won't keep working as new information is introduced unless you tell people exactly how it will work. Right. So the new piece of information comes out and then you already have a framework that it fits into because they know the new information that's going to be coming out. Of course. I mean, we know it. We're weeks ahead of CNN all the time. And again, I've talked about this maybe once before. But the reason we're always so far ahead of them is because they actually have to let these narratives develop so that they can figure out what story they're able to tell that will somehow reflect the facts on the ground. And you can see when they make those errors, right? When they have to cover something live, like the January 6th incident, they tell a bunch of lies and over time, those lies fall apart. That's not a safe place for them to be. They would rather be like retrofitting all the new information weeks later so that they can construct a narrative that makes sense for their clueless audience. Like how differently would we think of the very violent insurrection if the mainstream media hadn't been giving us false reports about Brian Sicknick being bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. That is something that never happened. And there was no reason to even believe it ever happened. But they made the mistake. They went with it, thinking it would work, thinking it would propel their case forward, just as Charlie Chester admits in this video. The point isn't the truth. The point is making sure that the narrative is served. So they go with something completely false and then people begin realizing it's completely false. So they adjust it. And now they are saying that Brian Sicknick died of a stroke that was caused by someone like 12 feet away spraying bear spray around. They know it's nonsense. They know it's not true. They know there's no way they could actually support that but they still tell it because they still need to blame Brian Sicknick's death on a Trump supporter. If they can't do that, people start realizing that the whole story is bullshit and the whole story is bullshit. Today, the justice department communicated that they will not be charging the officer that shot Ashley Babbitt. If you're concerned about the use of force in law enforcement and you don't have a problem with that, you're a liar. Ashley Babbitt posed absolutely no threat to that man, okay? There were John Sullivan and his Antifa crew standing there filming this thing, guiding her as to what to do. And they've tried to keep the shooter's name, Secret. I'm pretty sure it's William Bailey, but there's not a lot of confirmation on that. The media doesn't talk about it, and now the guy just gets to walk free. Now, I'm not entirely convinced about anything in that situation because I've watched the video, and I've watched breakdowns of that video, and if you watch those, it's real hard to believe that she was just shot the way they say and died from it, okay? Okay. In the video, they talk about how she was shot in the neck. Now they say she was shot in the left shoulder. But she just immediately died from that. She started grabbing her neck. Other people started talking about how she was shot in the neck, even though she was shot in the shoulder. Now, I don't know how small she is, but I don't think she's Christian Bale in the machinist small. And if she's not that small, her shoulder and her neck aren't right next to each other when you're talking about something like the size of a bullet. That's like reporting that she was shot in the stomach when she was actually shot in the thigh, right? They're not that close. And in terms of bullet placement, there is a drastic difference in deadliness on average, let's say. Because I know that there are like critical arteries and stuff. I get it. Gun guys, settle down. Just making an analogy here. But my point is that that story has changed drastically. And the reason it's changed drastically is because they actually had to try to report it in real time. And still serve their narrative. Even though the facts don't support the narrative. And that is a much more difficult task than trying to frame narratives that you can see coming the way the New York Times article presented things yesterday. I'm not sure that my assessment about the Perkins Coie connection to the election cases is going to be the right event I'm connecting that to. I say that flat out. I am not sure that I'm going to be right about that. That is a thought I had. I am sure that there is going to be something coming out that caused the writing of that article. It certainly wasn't just that they found out that Durham got some papers from the Brookings Institution three months ago. Why would you be reporting that now? And then the next step of this to me is that, again, once it has been confirmed beyond all doubt and i mean come on if people try to make excuses for this if people try to pretend that this isn't something widespread in cnn that person's lying okay or they're just being intentionally naive or lazy or they're holding on to their childish beliefs that they are being told the truth by the most powerful people in the world who have absolutely no interest in their well-being All right. It's just ignorant. So knowing that all of what CNN does is a lie, that doesn't mean that the information from there is no longer worth anything. It is worth something because they are telling you constantly, they are providing you a roadmap of exactly what stuff to look at. If you learn to understand the manner in which they communicate all of this stuff to you, you can know where to look for the truth. You can spot the lies. The lies are easy to spot. And once you spot one, you say, oh, well, that person's clearly lying to me. Why don't I find out what the truth is? And then, you know, and that's always really interesting because regardless, they are still pointing so many people in a particular direction So if you want to be able to help that person, honestly, I was going to, I was going to make fun of them, but if you want to actually help that person by exposing them to what the truth is, find out exactly how and why CNN is lying, figure out the content of the response, and you know exactly how to defeat what this communist believes. It's not complicated, by the way, they can't overcomplicate things. They can't go into one iota of the level of detail that I went into talking about the New York Times article yesterday because commie eyes will glaze over, right? They're not interested in the details. They want to know how the news is going to make them feel safe about being ignorant about everything because underlying their attitude They know they don't know any of this stuff. Find one that will actually engage you and be able to defeat your points and then that's a person worth talking to. Good luck finding one. Switching gears without a segue, today marks five weeks since the Texas mask mandates have ended. And not only... Has there been a massive drop in cases, there has been an even more massive drop in COVID deaths. Weren't we told this was going to be dangerous? What happened to Rochelle Walensky's impending doom, her fear? She was almost crying on television, telling the country that everyone should be very, very scared. This is the director of the CDC, by the way, a woman who now believes that racism is a public health crisis. Another unbelievably stupid notion. But the push here and one that was echoed by Fauci and by CNN was that any move toward freedom, any alleviation of all the restrictions that have been placed on our normal lives, any of that you do that, you're going to kill people. In fact, just announcing these things makes you a murderer. That's how they came after Texas governor, Greg Abbott. That's how they've gone after other governors. They're very irresponsible. All those Republicans, so irresponsible, just letting their citizens go about normal life as if there's not a very deadly pandemic. But the thing is, there's not a very deadly pandemic. All right. COVID is not very deadly. Second, this is not technically a pandemic. It stopped being that a long time ago. Now, they don't care about these definitions anymore, and they'll change them to suit their needs whenever they like, as they did with herd immunity. But we're not in a deadly pandemic. In fact, if people weren't wearing masks everywhere you went, no one, no one, no one would even know that COVID existed, okay? That's how not-threatening COVID is, especially at this point. And once we see in the future those revised death numbers, we're going to realize that it was like this the whole time. COVID was here in probably at least September of 2019, which means that six or seven months of American life was lived with COVID in our midst and zero mitigation whatsoever. And we noticed no change in death. Deaths that looked like flu and seemed like flu were simply marked down as flu. And no one gave it a second thought. We've had flu shots for decades. Most people don't even bother taking them. That's how unthreatening they find the flu to be. By the statistics, by the data, COVID is no more deadly than a bad flu season. It's not my opinion. It's literally true. And again, the COVID numbers are still inflated by a lot. We've had full stadiums now for two weeks. Are we going to pretend that there's been no COVID outbreaks at those stadiums because of masking? What about the Super Bowl? That was supposed to be a super spreader event. And then the partying in the streets afterward, that was supposed to be a super spreader event as well. Of course, neither were. And you were being lied to, even being forced to consider that they might be. And it's a very odd standard of proof that we are upholding at this point because i can say the things i just said right that there's no reason to ever believe one of these would be a super event and i would get a comeback from the communists saying well yeah it's better safe than sorry you don't know that you don't know that you don't know that you don't know that don't know that, that won't be a super event well yeah that's right i also don't know that it won't be hit by an asteroid either But I can feel safe going to the stadium, even though an asteroid could hit. The burden of proof here is not on me. That's the point. The burden of proof is on people trying to say that restaurants are sources of COVID spread, that bars are sources of COVID spread, that sporting events are sources of COVID spread, that schools are sources of COVID spread. None of them are. There's absolutely no data anywhere in the world that shows that not even a shred, but they still do it because they believe that the burden of proof is now on us. We have to show them with data and the science that there's no danger in these places. And once we show them that data, they don't care anyway. Because it's not about the data and science. It's about them catering to their very dumb beliefs. There is no amount of information that you can give these people that will get them out of this mindset. And that's why four to six percent of them are probably going to be lost forever. Once the truth on this stuff does come out, they are not going to be able to wrap their heads around it. So do we pretend that the rest of all the rest of our lives are dependent on? on getting the go ahead from these people, because that's how we act. Oh, well, you know, my cousin, she's like, she's really set on the the mask things in the vaccine. And like, you know, everybody there is going to be wearing masks. Like if you don't wear a mask, I think maybe it's better that you don't come. Or like she's, she's having the party only be for, for vaccinated people just so that You know, we don't run any risks and to encourage people to go get the vaccine. No, commie. No, that's not how it works. We need to say enough is enough to these communists. Okay. None of the information is on their side. None of it. I tried to be charitable to these people and to the stories they're telling. All right. And I was especially trying to do that a year ago. When I was trying to be really, really careful about how I would talk about COVID, because if I was wrong, I wouldn't want to live with the fact that I had encouraged irresponsible behavior, right? Which is a version, I guess, of the thing that they are saying. But that's not what they're saying, and they don't have anything to back it up because they're not concerned about their own behavior or their own speech. They're concerned about limiting the behavior and speech of others. And because they're so good at repeating the slogans, they're already certain that they're doing all the right things and that nothing bad that could happen as a result of COVID could be their fault because they are following all the orders and they're repeating all the slogans. So it has to be someone else's fault. And the fact that bad things still happen and someone must be blamed and you know it's not you means that you now have to force everyone else to repeat the slogans and do what they say as well. That's the problem. We need to stop obeying these people at all, especially if they're your friends or in your family. You have to have these talks and say, listen, I understand you think this. There is no science or data backing any of this up and ask them, hey, what is your standard for when we can go back to normal life? Is it the vaccine? Well, you already got the vaccine a month ago and your actions haven't changed. You still wear masks. You're not asking stores. You're not walking into a store saying, hey, you know what? Got vaccinated. I'm cool. No mask necessary for me. Thank you very much, sir. You're not doing that. They're still wearing their mask to signal to others that this is what we all have to do. That stuff has to end. Otherwise, there's no way out of this. Why would why are we still subjecting ourselves to this? Honestly. So yesterday, Kamala Harris hosted a roundtable to mark the first ever black maternal health week to draw attention to the fact that black mothers die from complications related to pregnancy at higher rates than women of every other race. And surely that's due to racism, right? Just like everything else. But hold on.
4: This week is Black Maternal Health Week. And make no mistake, black women in our country are facing a maternal health crisis. Black women are two to three times more likely to die in connection with childbirth than other women. And it is important to note that Native women are 2.3 times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women. We know the primary reasons why. Systemic racial inequities and implicit bias. And the consequences are both very real. Many of the women in this room have experienced them firsthand, and as the ambassador said, we will hear their stories, which they speak with great courage, given the pain that they have experienced.
2: Now, this is just obvious race baiting, and of course, she has absolutely no legitimate data to back that up at all. Like, really, this, Coleman Hughes has done good work on this exact subject talking about what the statistics really are and how they're so extraordinarily low for all groups that the difference in the numbers taking anything close to an implication like this from those numbers is nonsense. Just don't tell that to any communists, but I'm actually focused on a different point here and that's what we're meant to do about it. Right? So We are told that by Rashida Tlaib, by the way, that policing is inherently and intentionally racist, as if policing was created just to torture and kill black people. That's obviously not true. Policing exists in countries with very, very tiny black populations. It also exists in countries with almost entirely black populations. So if policing was created to harm black people, it's probably a waste of money in places with very few black people. But yet police still exist. It's almost like there must be another reason for it. Now, they make that case based on cherry picking instances of black people being killed by police officers on film, right? It's, it's got to hit all those marks because they don't care at all when white people are killed by police officers on film and sometimes in the exact same manner as it happens with black people. There's a guy named Tony Timpa. You can watch a video of Tony Timpa dying the same way George Floyd died being restrained the same way George Floyd was restrained and actually being restrained that way for five minutes longer. You don't know about Tony timpa because Tony timpa is white. All right. So with what she's saying about this maternal health care crisis that we need to designate another racial week for, why aren't we hearing that medicine is inherently and intentionally racist cops are blamed for the deaths while they're on duty. Even if the person is a hardened criminal like George Floyd or Jacob Blake, and even if the cops are getting shot at like what happened with Breonna Taylor, those are still the cops faults and it's because of racism. So we have this crisis in medicine but it's not the doctor's fault. Why isn't Rashida Talib out there calling for medicine to be abolished, Abolish doctors? All doctors are bastards. Why don't they go paint that on the hospital? They go out with like a spray, spray paint can a D a B and people are like a, a dab. And then they like, just because they're clever, they just spray paint. COVID was here with a W U Z. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they beating hospitals with sticks? Is it just because doctors are the science and we need to socialize doctors? Whereas we can just get rid of police and have foreign countries do our security for us or maybe private companies, either one, just not police. Now, foreign countries and private companies will have no incentive to actually treat people according to the Constitution, none whatsoever. But at least they're not police, right? Why can't we just abolish medicine? Abolish it. Who needs doctors when we know for a fact that it's the doctor's fault that black women are dying during pregnancy? Right? It's got to be the doctor's fault. It can't be the people's fault. It can't be the situation. It can't be the condition's Prior to the death can't be any of those things. Same as police, same logic. So it's gotta be the doctor's fault or the hospital's fault. Why aren't we attacking them? Why shouldn't they be abolished? Can any communist tell me the answer to that question? I would love to hear from one single member of the Democrat communist party about why we need to abolish and defund the police, but we don't need to abolish and defund Doctors, I want to know what the material difference there is if the cause of both is racism. And one final note here, going to the national pulse, the great Natalie Winters, April 13th, 2021 Brexit, 20% of remain voters would now opt to leave EU polling shows. Almost one in five of those who voted to remain in the EU in 2016 would choose to stay out now, according to the poll. By contrast, only 9% of 2016 Leave voters want to rejoin, an April 12th Bloomberg report notes. The article, which highlights the European Union's poor and hostile handling of vaccination programs, added that the poll shows support for Brexit has grown since the historic 2016 referendum. And almost two-thirds of adults believe that being outside the EU helped the UK's vaccination program to succeed. The poll also found that the overall percentage of people supporting Brexit had increased. Now, I'm certainly not bringing this up to discuss Brexit. The only reason I bring this up is because Brexit, like Trump's election, was one of those uh, very harmful to the liberal psyche kind of moments. They thought the whole world was ending, that everyone was just so backwards except them, all prim and proper. But it turns out, five years later, more people have shifted in that direction. Call it populism, call it economic nationalism, call it whatever you like. But more people are going that direction. The same thing is happening here. People are coming our way, not going the other direction. So when you're feeling like somehow everything is lost because Joe Biden is still pretending to be president, remember that the people are coming to us. They're not leaving our side and joining the communists and ultimately that is the only thing that will ever matter i'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network i don't have a network masks and lockdowns do not work and joe biden will never be president goodbye
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator.